Amen. Thank you, Lord. That wind was something today, huh? I was driving home and there was just a little, just a little car that was in front of me and, and it was blowing that car off the road. The, you could tell the guy was struggling with this. Really? Wow. Yeah, I saw on the weather that it's called a red alert because of, or red flag alert. That so don't don't light any fires, I guess. All right. Amen. I remember as a kid, it seemed like March was always kind of windy. That's when we flew out, we did our kites, right? We flew our kites in March. So, <laughs> Genesis 3 and 19. Amen. I give you a chance to get there. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Amen. And before you're seated, Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. Hey Amen. I love the book of Jeremiah. I'm reading it right now in my daily devotions, and it's um, very inspiring. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred from the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel that seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom, to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Amen. That the excellency of the power of God may, um, power may be of God and not of us. Thank you, Lord, for your word here this evening. Amen. It is so good. I love it, Lord. Hallelujah. It, it, uh, uh, it is such a strong witness of your spirit. It never goes against your spirit. It just confirms your spirit, Lord. And so uh, we love it, Lord. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. 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 If, if you feel like God is being silent in your life, which he is at times, read the Bible. <laughs> amen. It's God's word. Hallelujah. He'll begin to talk to you as you're reading it. So you may be seated in Jesus' name. A couple years ago, uh, well, I'll start the story this way. In 1974, some farmers were digging up some land in northern China, and uh, they came upon what we now know is called the Terracotta Army. And uh, this army was an army of pottery. They were clay men. Anyone know what I'm talking about? All right. And uh, what, had, what they have figured out 
is that this army was built uh, to protect a emperor who had died. So they would protect the emperor in his afterlife. Um, and so they were, they've done some really cool studies on this army. And uh, they found that uh, this army most likely, uh, they were, they used real people to, to uh, pose uh, for each clay figure, for each piece of pottery. Uh, none of them were exactly alike. Um, everyone had different features, and, and they were unique features uh, from that time period. And so they, they believe that the king's actual army uh, posed uh, for, the, for the artists as they made the terracotta army uh, for the king once he died. Now, that's uh, uh, obviously all speculation, but it is interesting. They were in New York City. Uh, they had brought a couple of, the, couple of them over, uh, and I wanted to get to see them, but I, I didn't. Uh, it's interesting that it is an army of pottery that has no power. This army has no power. If you've seen pictures of them, when they were digging them up, uh, uh, it looks it looks very impressive. It looks intimidating, but church they won't hurt you. <laughs> it's just pottery. Have you ever felt like a grasshopper? You know, unimportant, inferior, low down. Uh, Israel felt that way with Moses. Israel, I mean Israel, right? Part of the Red Sea, the ten plagues. God's on their side. Pillar of fire and cloud, and yet they felt unimportant. They felt inferior. They felt they felt that uh, uh, they were going to lose. And so uh, Moses had sent spies to spy out the land. And Numbers thirteen and thirty three says, and when they saw there, we saw the giants, the sons of Anak which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers, and so they saw us as grasshoppers. Amen. I remember as a kid, the kids who were picked on the most were the kids who acted the most inferior. It, 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 it just fed. It just fed the other kids. If you were in if you just were always inferior, if you're always, you know, uh, walking with your head down and, and always fumbling and never never had the right words, you it was like a magnet for the bully. I mean, that's who the bully went after. Uh, and so these Israelites saw themselves as grasshoppers, and so now uh, the men of Canaan saw them as grasshoppers as well. They were impressed with the land. It flowed with milk and honey. Uh, unbelievably fertile and healthily uh, uh, promising. However, they were more impressed with the inhabitants of the land than the land. Uh, uh, they almost just forgot that God had promised them something. And so they were so impressed with the inhabitants of the land, the giants, uh, uh, that they were whooped before they even got started. You see, they saw giants when they should have saw God. They, they uh, grasshoppers came to their mind when greatness should have been coming to their mind. What should have been coming to their mind is, man, if our God can part the Red Sea, this is easy for him. 
If our God can have ten plagues, this is nothing. This is, a, this is the day in the park for our God. He's so great. But instead, oh, look at the inhabitants of the land. They're giants. Uh, we're grasshoppers. Uh, we are nothing. We're unimportant. We're inferior. Uh, we're going to lose. And they were overwhelmed, not by the giants of the land, but they're overwhelmed by their own inferiority. And so their inferiority projected onto the inhabitants of the land, and they became grasshoppers in everyone's sight. Now, church, we know that that isn't true. We know they weren't grasshoppers. Uh, subsequent events reveal that. However, it highlights the double deception of an inferiority complex. Now, the man who trusts in himself sooner or later will begin to feel like a grasshopper in his own sight because, church, uh, no matter how confident you are in your own self, events will take place in your life that will knock you on your back. And if you don't trust in God, if you don't have faith in God, amen, that self-confidence that you have in yourself becomes a sheer illusion. It, it, it amounts to nothing. Amen. We will disappoint ourselves. We need God. We need God confidence. Because God confidence makes us invincible. I can do all things. Church, this is simple preaching. Everything I'm saying tonight, you've heard before. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. It is confidence in God. Church, what are you? Are you an accidental, evolved uh, a compilation of male and female genes? What are you? Some people think so. Are, are you just an animal? Are you just an animal that has blood and organs and, and you breathe uh, with instincts and muscular uh, reactions? Are, are, are you just an animal? Uh, are you just uh, very similar to an ape uh, somewhere? Some people think so. Are, are you just a, a isolated being? A isolated universal happening? Are you just somebody's uh, 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 a toy that they have thought up and you're just living their dream? You're just living their life? Some people think so. Are you just a blob soon to dry, a ripple soon to cease? Are you just a speck soon to blow away? Some people think so. What are you, church? Ask a doctor. He'll tell you one thing. Ask a scientist. He'll tell you something else. Ask a chemist. And they'll tell you yet another thing. But church, ask God. And he'll tell you you are a creation of his own hand. That you've been created in his image. That you are the apple of his eye. That you are the fruit of his labor. Amen. That you're the pride of his heart. That you are the choice object of God's eternal love. Amen. Saturn's cool. Amen. But church, he doesn't really love Saturn. You know what I'm saying? The universe is amazing, but that's not his universal love. That's not his eternal love. Uh, amen. A beautiful sunrise on the Atlantic Ocean is beautiful, but it's not God's eternal love. That is, he doesn't wait for that. He waits for us. Amen. Church, God is not anticipating a sunrise tomorrow morning. He is anticipating you waking up and saying, Hallelujah, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Because we are the object of his eternal love. He loves us. That's who you are. You are not some compilation of chemical reactions that will soon blow away. Amen. 
as we evaporate. Hallelujah. Just like us, the prophet Jeremiah wrestled with this whole concept of man. Who is he? Where is he going? What, what is this dilemma of life? As you most likely know, Jeremiah was during that time period of the, of the uh, Babylonian captivity, the 70 years in captivity. And he was disturbed that God's people had deaf ears, had hard hearts, that they would not listen to Jeremiah's warnings day in and day out. They refused to hear what Jeremiah had to say about God. Amen. Amen. Lots of churches are struggling with lots of things today. And, and the one question that is really not being asked in, in a lot of denominational churches is, is what does God's word say? Does God's word say? Amen. We're, we're, there's concern about filling the pews. There's concern about what direction a church may go uh, based on social issues. And ministries are changing their message to, to make sure the congregation is comfortable. And, and obviously, church, we need to be comfortable with God's word. You shouldn't regret coming to church because you're going to get hammered. Amen. But at the same time, I'm not going to change my message. Amen. Based on what I think will make you the happiest. Amen. Watchmen, what are the night? <laughs> right? If I don't blow the trumpet and tell you the enemy is coming to the camp, wake up and get ready, then I failed in the execution of my office as your pastor. Amen. Amen. It is important. It's important, church, that, that God's word is preached, that God's word is obeyed. It's important. Arise, God says to Jeremiah. Arise, go down to the potter's house, right? Jeremiah 18 and 2. And there I will show thee I will cause you to hear my words. One of our just right favorite chapters in all the Bible. We love the potter's house. Songs have been sung about it. Sermons, thousands of sermons. I've preached several sermons on the potter's house. It is, it is just one of the most beautiful illustrations in all of Scripture. What, just a fantastic message. It is, it, it, it's, it, it's a science Pottery is a science of man rather than manufacturing. Now, yes, they manufacture pottery today, but church, that's not the potter's house that we're talking about. That's not the potter's house you read about. Uh, 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 and there are many elements to making pottery, but the number one element of making pottery is the potter. Amen. You can have the best clay money can buy. Amen. But if you don't know how to make pottery... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I remember making uh, uh, making pottery in, in class in high school once, and one of the one of my uh, uh, classmates he uh, he or she made just one of the greatest vessels. It was beautiful, and they they uh, put the uh, you know the glaze on it, and, and the teacher put it in the teacher put it in the um, kiln, and uh, uh, and and 
it, it exploded. It exploded. Uh, it, and it wasn't because the clay was bad. We all had the same clay. It's, it's, it's the potter, the, the person hadn't worked it right, hadn't kneaded it right, hadn't gotten all the air uh, pockets out of it, and so it exploded when it got into the kiln. Amen. Church, we are the clay. <laughs> I just wanted you to know. We're the clay. He's the potter. Amen. And if he's working us and he's, he's doing whatever he needs to do to make us a vessel of honor, we've got to let him do it. We've got to let him work our lives. Amen. Amen. We are the clay. Picture in your mind, church, the, a potter sitting on the floor. He's got a, uh, some water there. He's got a, a pile of, of clay, and he's, and, and, and he's working it. He's moistening the clay. He's putting some water on it. He's kneading it. He's getting the air out of it. He, he puts it on a wheel after it's just perfect. You know, He knows what, when that clay is perfect. He puts it on the wheel, and he begins to turn it, and and, and he makes this beautiful vessel, but then when it's almost done, he discovers a flaw. Maybe there's a lump he, he had missed, and so he it's still pliable, so he takes it off the potter's wheel. He works it some more. He, he adds some more water to it. He, 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 he uh, uh, finds that clump. He, he cuts it out, then he, maybe he lets that water evaporate a little. He works it, and then he forms a new vessel. Amen. Church, there's no such thing as a self-made man. There's no such thing as a self-made woman. Amen. And I've heard what it means. I know, I know what the definition of it. But I tell you, church, we are all the work of God's hand. We are, amen, it is he who made us and not we ourselves, right? He made us. I didn't make me. God made us. Long before the house that you live in was erected, there were plans. Amen. The thoughts, the mind of the designer, the architect. Long before we built this building, you know, we sat down and we drew up some plans. We hired an architect. We sat down with her there on Market Street and we talked about everything. You know, I'd, I'd, probably the most difficult thing to try to explain to her was this parapet wall right here. That we wanted. We, I wanted this parapet wall so we could have lighting, tan lighting, uh, shining in and, 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 and hiding the projector or, or whatever, you know. And, but church, that was, that was two years, two years before we actually built the building. I think it was, yeah, it was about two years because I remember the service in the YMCA when the plans were delivered. Remember that sister bag? We put out a table and we laid out the plans and and I, I can I even remember the sermon I, I preached. Amen. I've been to the mountain. I've seen I've seen the promised land. Amen. And I pulled out those plans. I said, I've been to the mountain. I've been to the mountain. Amen. We're not there yet, but 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 here are the plans. Amen. Church, before God ever created you, before he ever created you, he's got some plans for you. He really does. He really does. Amen. I've shared this theory and I Church, I'm, I'm, I'm going to step away from the pulpit because I'm not saying this is the biblical theory, but, but, but it's just a theory that Jonathan and I have come up with. Amen. But uh, it, it, it'll fit into the sermon. It's the theory that the seven days of creation weren't actually the seven days that he created heaven and earth. That the seven days of creation 
were the architect writing out the plans. That it took him six days to write out the plans for creation. He rested the seventh day. Now that's really getting off, you know, but and then on the eighth day, he called the contractor and said, All right, I need a load of I need a load of earth. I need some hydrogen. I need some, you know what I'm saying? Who knows, church? But if you're teaching a Bible study and somebody's arguing with you about the seven days, you can use it because there's no answer to that. Well, yeah, maybe the seven days are just how long it took him to draw up the plans. Right? It could be true. But church, this is true. He knew Jeremiah before he was formed in his mother's womb. He did. So before Jeremiah was ever created, God knew him. That's biblical. Amen. Church, God is wise. He's knowledgeable, right? He, he knows all things. He, he wills things. He decrees things. I was just reading yesterday in my Bible that that, uh, 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 that, that God right raises up and brings down government. Uh, he's got that kind of power. Amen. He, he plans. He plans. He plans what you are presently. And he plans what you're capable of becoming. He plans it. I preached it numerous, countless times. He, he builds your highways. I mean, you got to get on him yourself, but he builds them. He plans. He has ideas. He has goals for you. Some people are vessels of dishonor. They have no desire to do anything worthy. Their heart, you know, is, is on the culture they live in. They form their habits. They're not going to change. They'll sit on the premises. They'll do, uh, uh, they'll do, you know, whatever it takes to get into heaven by the skin of their teeth, but their their train to heaven is empty. They aren't going to bring anyone with them. Their life is the way their life is, and so they're a vessel of dishonor. It's not it's not necessarily saying they're not saved. It's just a dishonorable vessel. It's not ever really going to be used for anything, right? Uh, uh, and then you have uh, uh, folks like us in this church. We want to be used. We want to be vessels of honor. Amen. We want the Lord to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And church, God will even set up vessels of dishonor uh, for the world as examples. God will use evil schemes of the devil, won't he, uh, to contrast and beautify his own plan. I mean, you know, they say... Uh, uh, heard of the, somebody going to the Buddhist monk, you know, show me what heaven is, and, and the Buddhist monk takes him to the ocean, and, and they get into the ocean, and then the monk holds him underwater until he almost drowns, you know, and, and, uh, and, and then he lets him up, and he, he, he breathes, and, you know, he catches his breath, and he says, what are you doing? I'm I, I asked you to show me heaven, and, and the monk said, well, I had to show you hell first. Uh, so you would know what heaven is like. God will take the evils of the devil just to show us how good God is, to show us how good the ways of the Lord really are. God is good. Hallelujah. 
Uh, his ways are, are so beyond finding out, but, but hallelujah, I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad he saved me, brought me out of the miry clay. Amen. And, and as a first-generation Pentecost, amen, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether you're first or 18th. I know uh, five, six-generation Pentecostals who didn't live for God. And then when they came to God, they are so thankful. Amen. They, they, they realized where God had brought them from. God will take the works of the devil and, and be, allow us to compare our lives to it and say, Thank you, Jesus. Amen, that you brought me out of that. Or thank you, Jesus, that I never got into that, right? Hallelujah. So God will even use a vessel of dishonor, amen, to give him glory. But, but I'm not preaching on vessels of dishonor. Tonight, I'm talking about the vessel of honor at the potter's house. You desire to do good. You desire beauty. You desire perfection. You desire God's plan. You desire the master workman. Take a hold of your life and complete the perfection he has started in you. Because church, when we get into the hand of the master, whew, you want to talk about something beautiful. Amen. Has anyone here ever been uh, to, a, to a museum, an artist museum, the National Gallery perhaps, uh, MoMA or the Met, and, and seen... Rembrandt, seeing a Monet, I'm telling you, church, it is amazing. The, these artists are amazing. The things they did, the way that they mixed their colors. When we get into the hands of the master potter, hallelujah. Ooh, he makes something beautiful out of us, church. Hallelujah. And it's not us. We haven't made ourselves. He's made us. He's created us. Thank you, Lord. You know, you know, clay isn't just common earth. It's not dried mud. Or it's, it's special. It's, it's, it has silica in it. It's a mixture of, of earth. To, I know it's more complex than that, but, but it's, it's, it's silica and earth. And, and, and that's the story of us. Church, we, we're, we're dust, right? We're dust. But we've got something more than dust in us. We've got the presence of God in us. We've got the, the spark of the creator alive in us. Amen. And so, so what we have to do when, when, uh, when you're making pottery, you've got you to crush that clay, right? I mean, we don't like that part. Uh, but God will crush us. He'll, he'll need us. He'll... He'll, he'll try to find those, those imperfections in us. But, but church, remember that that lump has to be removed. Uh, my grandfather, uh, as you know from past uh, sermons, you know, he had this, this grater, and he would take dry clay, and he would, he would just grate it like grating cheese uh, uh, just, to, just to, you know, get all the imperfection all the lumps out of it, you know? Uh, uh, and then it would finally, he would add a little water, whatever he would add. But he was screening out the foreign elements. He was screening out, out the imperfections. Church, if that clay had a voice, it would have been screaming, knock it off, stop, this hurts! Right? Uh, but, but, but church, that's what God has to do in our lives. 
Sometimes he's just got to break us down. Break us down. Till all we can do is cry out. Help me, Lord. I'm not the potter anyways. I'm just the clay. Help me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, if that, if that clay is too moist, uh, that potter will, will, will work that water out of that clay. Uh, it, is, it is one of the most difficult things in, in life's lesson as apostolics is, is the matter of excess. We have so, there's so much excess out there. There, anything you want to watch on TV, you can watch it. Anything. Anything you want to visit on the internet, it's there. You want to work harder, there's enough work out there. You can work 24 hours a day if you want it. There, there's enough jobs out there that you can find. Amen. Our culture is, is filled in excess. Church, every new car has something extra. Every new car has something extra. Uh, uh, they're, they're, I guess there's cars out there now that can drive themselves. Just about. Uh, every new game is something fresh and exciting. Uh, uh, and so we've got to be careful with, with living a life of excess. We've got to keep prayer in our lives, right? Got to keep God's word in our lives. Keep faithfulness and godliness in our lives. We've got to keep these things in our lives. Because if we, because we're going to fill our lives with something. So make sure you're filling them with the things of God first. Amen. Amen. In church, I, I know people who, uh, who have filled their lives in excess on things, on subjects of God, but not all of God. You know what I'm talking about? You know the person who is just so focused on prophecy that they don't they they wouldn't know how to share the gospel with somebody if they were forced to. But they sure do know what the seven vials or they think they know what they mean in the book of Revelation. You know, you know the person I'm talking about. You know, and so they they get in excess even of these subjects of God. Church, we need grace and we need works, right? We need them both. We can't just focus on grace. Amen. Well, I'm saved by grace. Amen. Uh, but doesn't the Bible say, uh, uh, you know, sin not, that grace may abound, know you not, to whom you yield shall servants to obey, his you are. I mean, so we, we, we can't just focus on grace, but we can't just focus on works either. We can't just focus on external holiness. I know many people who, who have in their lives focused on external holiness. I mean, they look at, they look at, they look at. Uh, but but inside their lives is is whited sepulchers. I mean, their their heart isn't right. Uh, they aren't living for God in a in a private secret way. Uh, but man, they look it. And so, church, you you can't just focus on one thing. We believe in external holiness, but we believe in an internal holiness, right? We 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 aren't exoskeletons. I've I've said that before, church. We aren't exoskeletons. Uh, we aren't supposed to be hard on the outside. And once somebody really gets to know us, then they find out how soft we really are. We're supposed to be soft on the outside with a strong skeleton, amen, where we stand up, amen. But we're soft. We're kind. And, uh, church, we, we, we believe in daily teaching. We believe in prayer. We believe in preaching, right? 
we don't just preach, preach, preach with no teaching. And we don't just teach, teach, teach with no preaching, right? We believe in, 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 in everyday living for God. Thank you, Lord. And it's funny, we can be so hard on young people, and then all of a sudden we, we get really kind and patient when it's our own child that's going through a temptation. You know, life has a way of just squeezing out the excess. And so, and, and, and I'm not going to talk a lot about this, but sometimes the potter will take the clay and, and, and he'll kind of isolate it. It's not ready yet. You know, it needs to, it needs to dry out a little or something. Amen. God will sometimes isolate us. Paul was isolated, right? Uh, Joseph was isolated, but boy, did God use them. Boy, did God use them. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness. Elijah. Church, sometimes, and I heard this talked about somewhere years and years ago. Uh, somebody was asked, uh, what do you do when you have to make a major, I think it was a, a financial show, Larry Burkett perhaps, what, what do you do when uh, you have to make a major decision in your life? And he said, I, 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 I'll hop on a train and I'll buy a round trip ticket to a, a city that's a, a, a day or two away. And, and I'll just stay on the train for, for three or four days. And I won't talk to anyone. That's, he said, that's what I do. And I just contemplate in my loneliness what would be the right decision. And, and I will not make a decision until I get off the train four days later. I heard that years ago. And, and the wisdom of that church is profound. Amen. What he was saying is I'm not going to make decision based on emotion. I'm not going to make a decision based on what everyone is telling me to do. I'm just going to isolate myself because my decision has to be based on what, what I feel is best for me and best for those around me, whatever. Uh, oh, church, when God isolates us, when he sets us aside, he's just wanting us to reach out to him, to talk to him, to commune with him. Amen? Oh, what a process. What a process. And it's so fascinating when that potter finally takes that clay and he's putting it on his wheel. And it's so fascinating. He'll turn that wheel faster and faster and faster. And he'll make, he'll make a tall vessel, make a short vessel. He'll, he'll, he'll make one lifting and shaping and forming. I, my, my mom still has it. I made a vessel uh, uh, once in, with my grandfather. And uh, uh, it was a big bowl. It was a big bowl. And, uh, you know, I shaped it out and did everything you do. And then the last thing I did is I took my, my, my four fingers and I, I pressed them against the outside of that vessel as it was spinning. And I made these, I made these four grooves on the outside of that vessel. And, and I did that purposely. I was making it for my mom and, uh, and it was fired up and, and there it was. Uh, so she would always have, have something that she could see physically that my hand had been involved in it, that, you know, that she, those four grooves were, were part of my hand that it made the church, man, when God gets a hold of us, 
he leaves his handprints all over us, doesn't he? Amen. Um, I mean, when we are standing before this world, uh, we should be living such a life that this world can't say anything other than, man, amen, look at what God has done in their lives. Amen, amen. As we sang Sunday, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, uh, I, I, I pray that people say that about us. Man, if it had not been for the Lord on their side, hallelujah, it's clear God's on their side. It's clear that God is in their court. It's clear that God is, is, is the potter, amen, in their lives. Hallelujah. Amen. Church, don't fret. Just, just let God be God. Be the clay. Be the clay. Amen. Come after me, Jesus said to his disciples, and I will make you to become fishers of men. I will make you. I've preached that sermon before too, church. Amen. John was the work of the master's hand. Let me finish my thought, church. All the different vessels that God made. Tall, skinny, short. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 a candle, a candlesticks perhaps, a, a bowl perhaps. Uh, uh, he just, uh, you think about John. Uh, just a, what a great character in the Bible. Lived to, they say, past 100 years. On the island of Patmos, had the heavens open. Saw, I, I think that John... Uh, saw the rapture. I do. I think John had a vision of the rapture that was taking place. Uh, uh, anyways, he saw heaven open. God glorified. A prince among men. James. Right? He was a vessel of honor to God, wasn't he? He preached some sermons. He worked a while. He died on Herod's chopping block. How about Stephen? I mean, what was Stephen's claim to fame? He was a worker, right? He helped the needy. He preached one message, and then he was stoned. Wow. And God fashioned them all, and they're all vessels of honor. So are we justified in saying God loved John more than Stephen? Absolutely not. Amen. No. It's what God's plan was, and so it is with us. Amen. Church, God doesn't love one of us more than the other. Amen. He, he, he is love. He doesn't have the ability. Wow, that sounds funny. Uh, he is love. Amen. And so he just loves us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And church, we do go through trials by fire. You, gotta, you do have to put the pottery into the kiln. You do have to put the, the uh, uh, you know, the Corning Museum of Glass. You do have to put the glass you know, in the kiln for it to, to harden, for it to, to be refined, you know, etc. cetera. Uh, uh, church, what makes life beautiful? It's not money, because we all know rich people who are plagued with ulcers and nervous disorders, alcoholism, unhappiness. It's not success. We, we know the executives out there, the starlets, the athletic champions, they, they drink the cup of bitterness. I tell you, what, what beautifies us is God. What makes our lives beautiful is God. Hallelujah. He's the one who's put the finishing touches on our lives. Amen. He, he's the, you know, he's the artist working with his form, lighting the fire, 
working through it, creating us, putting us through everything. Amen. Church clay people, earthen vessels, terracotta army. No, we're more than that. We're more than that. He, he has created us. Let's stand tonight. Church, and God's not looking for golden vessels and silver vessels or ornamental vessels. He's just looking for vessels that, that, that will be filled with the Spirit. Vessels that, that are willing to be the clay. Amen. To yield themselves. I've got good news, church. God is, is willing to pick up the pieces. God is willing to, to create new vessels, to squeeze out the excess, to, to, to put us through tests and trials, to strengthen us, to, to color our existence. He is. Hallelujah. I heard, I heard somebody say years ago that they were watching a, an old movie with their grandchild and their, their child was only five or six and it was a black and white and, and their child said when did, when, did, when did the world become colored? You know, they, you know uh, uh, I tell you church, God has put the color in our lives. We are nothing without him. Nothing. Amen. His hand is in your life. He's here to strengthen you. He's here Amen. He's here to do something great with us if we'll just let him. Hallelujah. Let's yield to God tonight. Lord, whatever your will is, God. Whatever it is, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm willing to yield to you tonight, God. I'm willing to be the clay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.